faith that God, you'd move in power. And everyone who wants that, please say amen. 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 Okay. So, with that being said, we have, as a ministry team, been praying for each and every one of you. And God has given us a verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 18, as we were praying for just the women's ministry. We really felt like God laid this particular scripture on our hearts. So that's why we are bringing it for you today, is we want you to see, this is kind of the, um, I guess you could say, the where we're moving, okay? This scripture is going to be something that we're going to refer back to, and this is what we want the heart of our women's ministry to be at this church. This, we want you to see how powerful this is in women's lives, and this is not only for women. Um, but obviously, this is a women's event, so it's going to be gender-specific today. Um, but the verse is 2 Corinthians 3.18. So if you have your Bible, I'm, I'm assuming you probably didn't bring your physical copy. If you did, go ahead and get that out. If you want to use your phone, you can do that. Or if you just want to listen, go ahead and do that. It's 2 Corinthians 3.18. And today, I want to show you the beauty of a community that is transparent transfixed and transformed and how that relates to us as women in our everyday lives. And now I know we have young people in here. I know we have some younger girls. Um, and I did not cater my message to the young in here because, and for two reasons. Number one, your kids know more than you think they know. Number two, I really like um, my reasoning behind this is I heard a guy once say one time, he said, we don't give our kids small truths to grow out of, we give them big truths to grow into. So that's what we're doing today, okay? So this is going to probably go over their heads a little bit, but what a great time to, after the event, explain further on their level what the message was about today. So, But I am praying God just even breaks down that wall and helps them to understand as well. Okay, so I want you to see this scripture, how it is not abstract, or distant, or a good theological thought, but that what we see here in God's Word has the power to change our lives and transform us from within. We live in a culture that prizes transparency, does it not? They love openness, yet sometimes the hardest place for us to be transparent is here within the church, with our sisters. Um, and I want to show you today that this is a beautiful design of God's community when we do it right, and it's possible, but not on our own. And that brings me to 2 Corinthians 3.18. So if you have your phones or your Bibles and want to turn there. All right, so this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, and this is what he says, okay? He says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the first point I want to hit on, we're going to have three points, is transparency. Paul says here, we all, in verse 18, we all with unveiled face. So what does that mean? What, does he, what is he talking about? And if we don't understand this verse, nothing else about this is going to make sense to you. So really listen. Okay, so we're going to turn real quick to Exodus 34. If you know anything about your Bible or have been in the faith at all or been around Christians at all, you will 
Remember a man named Moses who led God's people out of oppression, out of um, Egypt, and he led them, he made a way where there was no way right through the Red Sea, brings them out into a spacious place of freedom. And one of the first things he does is he gives them what? The Ten Commandments, okay? So this is kind of where we are in Scripture, and this is just to give you a little bit of context. And I want to show you how this thought that Paul is talking about, it's not a new thought. This is something that was um, seen in the Old Testament, especially here. So Exodus 34, God calls Moses up on Mount Sinai. Okay, he's giving them, he's giving him the commands. And this is what happens. So it's him and Moses up before the glory of the Lord. He comes down off of the mountain to the people. The Israelites are all down in the camp. He comes off, and this is what the scripture says. Verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses, okay, listen, and when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So God's glory, right, shone on Moses' face. He wore the veil, not only because the people were afraid. They were a little freaked out. You see a man come off of the mountain, his face is shining. You're going to be a little bit scared. But for years I thought that's why he put the veil up. But as I researched and really just studied this text, I realized he didn't put the veil over because they were afraid. Because if you see, he was talking to them. He didn't put the veil over and then talk to them. He put the veil over his face after he spoke the words of God to them. So he did not want them to see the glory of God fading off of his face. That is why he put the veil over. This glory that he had on his face was fading, and he would put that over until he got more glory, beholded more glory, and then he put the veil over again. So the significance, going back to our verse, so the significance of what Paul is now saying to us is that we have now, because of Jesus, come to a ministry, a new covenant, whose glory will not fade, which means we don't have to hide our faces anymore. Gospel freedom carries with it gospel transparency. Let me say that again. Gospel freedom carries with it Gospel transparency. So this is what this means for us who have trusted in Jesus. We can stand as women unashamed despite our sins and our failures. And we can look upon the glory of God without fear that it is going to fade away. And also, because of our faith in God's Son, we can stand in God's presence without the fear that it will harm us or that we will be turned away. 
I want you to see the love of God in that for us. That this is part of the ministry that Christ brought with him. This is a beautiful, powerful thing that we get the privilege of doing. This glory is greater than the glory that was. In fact, Paul says that this glory is the exact opposite of fading. Okay, He says it is ever-growing. This glory that God has given to us, that has come with Jesus Christ, it's not going to fade away. We don't put veils over our faces anymore. We can be transparent. Okay, so what does this unveiled position mean for us now as women? Okay, so in our walks and in our day-to-day lives, how can we take this truth away? Number one, we stand transparent. This is this is amazing. We stand transparent before God. He already knows y'all. He already knows. He knows you. He made you. He created you. You cannot fool him. So whether that is comforting to you or not, the fact is we all stand transparent, completely seen before God. And this can either be a comforting thought or a terrifying one. And we will get to that in just a minute. God's glory is beautiful. And I love what Ray Orland, a pastor in Nashville, says about the glory of God. He talks about a community that just beholds the glory of God, that they're transparent, they're real with one another. That kind of community, that beauty that comes from that, It turns heads. It makes people look a second time. What is, what are they doing? They are so joyful. They are so real with each other. There's no fear. There's no shame in that place. That is what we want. That is what we want. So we do not mask. We don't mask God's glory because of our fear of man or our doubts. Because of Christ, we don't have to do that. So point number one is we stand transparent before our creator. And number two, this is where we really have a hard time. We are to be transparent with one another. Paul says in the first part of verse 18, we all, does not say me, Paul, you, Corinthian. He says we all with unveiled face, we are in this together. We are in this together. We do not have to do this alone. And when we try and do this alone, we fail. We have no one to pick us back up. We get confused. We get disheartened. And we are not existing how God meant for us to exist within a community of believers. Okay? So this is not an individual ministry. And this is not something we were ever created to do alone. This is a joint effort. Don't you know that life is hard enough without each other? I don't know about you, but when I came here from Texas, if you can't tell already, I'm not from here. I'm from Texas. Amen. Yeah, amen, mother. That's my mother. (laughs) We came here from Texas, had no family here. And I cannot tell you how beautiful it is to be loved by people that I don't even know. And y'all are family to me now. That's why I can stand up here and be real with you. Because I know that you love me and you're for me. And I know that I know that even if you aren't for me, that's okay because God is for me. And we can love each other like a family. So this is the beauty of being family with one another. We can be transparent with one another. What happens when you leave here and you go home to your houses? Everything just comes off. 
You're your real self. We want to be that here. We don't want to put on a face, okay? There's enough of that out in the world. Let's let the beauty of God shine on us. In our women's ministry, we want this transparency to flourish, okay? Because it shows, this is awesome, it shows that we truly understand the gospel. When we truly get that all of our sin was placed on Christ on the cross, and now we stand righteous and clean before him, that means when we confess our sin to one another, our comfort is not in our righteousness, but in Christ alone. It's not in us. That's what gives us the boldness. And when we feel uncomfortable, we may confess sin to one another and feel very uncomfortable, but trembling. I know I've done that with some of you. I know I've been there and I've done that, but I have seen, even in the scariness, what drives out that fear is a greater faith in the love of God. We have to know we are so loved by God. I, our pastor, um, Pastor Stephen Betts, mentioned this, this last Sunday at church that we are fully known and we're fully loved, right? So we are fully known by God and we are fully loved. That means we want to display that within how we treat each other. We want each other to fully know us and know that we are fully loved by each other as well. But knowing... Do, Anybody remember that Chris Tomlin song, Indescribable? I don't know, all my early 2000 girls up in here. <laughs> Indescribable. There is, yes, there is a uh, sentence in there. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same. I love that. I love that. That's so true. And this frees us to be bold and unashamed before the world and especially one another. This speaks highly of how much our confidence is not in ourselves, but in the cross of Jesus Christ. So I say it again, gospel freedom carries with it gospel transparency. What frees us up to love and be transparent with one another is nothing else but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, next point. Not only do we stand transparent and unashamed before God and others, but get this, there is a purpose to our transparency. We're not just transparent for transparency's sake. That is so we may behold God's glory, which leads me to my next point, okay? Transfixed. So we had transparent, transfixed. Let me turn over here to, to my verse. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Okay, so Paul says, we all, right, unveiled face, the transparency, beholding the glory of the Lord. I'm really excited about this part. Okay? Beholding the glory of the Lord. So some of you may be asking, well, what is the glory of the Lord? We say that all the time, right? Give God all the glory. Glory to his name. Ascribe to God the glory. Well, what is the glory? So we're beholding the glory of the Lord. Well, what is the glory of the Lord? So I'm going to try and define this for you in as elementary terms as I know how. That's going to be really hard. Um, this will not do it justice. It will only scratch the surface because the scripture says God's greatness is unsearchable. 
So I'm not going to be able to define this and just put a bow on it. This is going to be kind of left. I want you to go home and study if you don't know and if this piques your interest, okay? So the best way, it's like trying to describe God's glory. It's like trying to stand before the Grand Canyon, okay? And trying to retell the beauty of it to those back at home who have never seen it before. It's more than sight, right? When you stand at the Grand Canyon, it is beautiful, but it's that all-consuming awe that fills your being when you look at its beauty. There's something more than just sight. It's a feeling. It's a, it's, oh my goodness, this is gorgeous. And then you go and tell, it's like telling a joke, you know, and I'm terrible at telling jokes. And when I try and retell a joke to someone when it was really funny when I was there, and then I try and tell it at, back home, like to Chris, my husband, and they just stare at me like, that was not funny. And I'm like, well, you had to be there, okay? So that's kind of how this is, trying to describe God's glory. If you've ever been before Him, you know. But if you've never been before Him, this might be hard for you to understand. So we can do our best, but we'll probably never do it true justice. So when we describe God's glory, okay, young ones, listen up in the room. Listen up. Don't check out because this is one of the most important truths that you could learn. It is one of the most important things that we can understand. When we describe God's glory, we are not describing an object, okay? So I love John Piper, a pastor his illustration of God's glory. He shows what it is not by talking about what it, I'm sorry, he shows what it is by talking about what it is not, okay? And his illustration is by using a basketball. So if you were to, to stand before someone and someone said, well, what's a basketball? What would you say? It's round, it's orange, it's got like lines on it, you bounce it, some people really love the game, throw it in hoops. It's an object. You can explain it, right? So God's glory, though, is not like a basketball. God's glory cannot be described like this because it's not an object. Simply put, okay, so this is kind of my description. God's glory is the revealing beauty of his holiness. So it's his holiness put on display for all to see. All of his worth and beauty and goodness put on display. So in Exodus 33, this is really cool. In Exodus 33, right before the account that we just read, okay, this is what Moses says to God. So Moses had just, I mean, God had just promised Moses what he was going to do for the Israelites. And you know what Moses says to him? This is, this is really cool. Okay, so Moses says, this is Moses talking to God. He said, no, I'm sorry, this is God talking to Moses. Verse 14, chapter 33 in Exodus, and he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So he's saying, it's okay, I'm going with you, you can rest assured. But Moses says, this is what he asks, okay? This is what he asks of the Lord. Please show me your glory. 
And he said, this is what God says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft on the rock. And I will cover you with my hand and I, until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. So Moses, instead of saying, Show me a miracle, God, that you're going to be there for me. Show me a sign. Do something great. You know what he asks of him? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Because your glory is you put on display. When you are unfolded before me, I stand there and I'm in awe. And I realize, oh, you are who you say you are. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. So going back to what Paul says, we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord. So seeing the reference there in the Old Testament, do you see the gift that we as believers have in being able to stand before the glory of God, transparent with unveiled faces? And not only do we get to stand before God's presence in his glory without shrinking back from him, but boldly, we get to stand there boldly, boldly in his love. Here comes the word that we're going to focus on for just a minute. Beholding. So we're not just standing in God's glory. That's not our ministry. We don't just stand there. We behold it. This is so important, y'all. This is so important. Okay, sorry, I have to go back to my verse here. I'm not like a polished message speaker have all my places marked. Asked my husband before I left, should I have had all my places in my Bible marked? He was like, probably. He was like, well, oh well. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> happening. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 13. Okay, so we're going back to our scripture. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Okay? If you go up in verse 12 and 13, this is what Paul says. So he's talking about this ministry we have. He says, since we have, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was bring, being brought to an end. So what was the outcome he was talking about? The glory of what was. The old covenant the promise, the way that God dealt with his people in the Old Testament, that is going away. That glory was fading. The, that outcome was not eternal glory. It was passing. And God knew this, okay? He created it this way. All along, since before time, he prepared a permanent salvation for our bondage and shame. So he wasn't like saying, oh, I need to do something new here. This glory is not working. No. What does the scripture say about Jesus? He was the lamb slain before what? The foundation of the world. That was his plan all along. So this is not God trying to fix his mess. This is God being sovereign and this is God working it out the best way that get him the most glory, okay? So he preparing for us a permanent salvation for our bondage and shame. 
So Paul says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. What, what gives us this boldness? And what gives us this hope? Well, we have gazed at the outcome, sisters, and that outcome is the glory of Jesus Christ, and it is unfading. It's not going anywhere, and this is what we are to do, okay? We are to stand transfixed on Jesus. What a privilege. That is where the glory of God is seen most clearly. That is where it is. I just want to say to you, you, woman, you were created for one purpose. You may not believe this, but this is what God's word says. And this is true. You were created for one purpose, and that is God's glory. You were not created for this world and for the things of this world. You were created for him to display his beauty, his perfection. Because God is perfect, only perfection can stand before him. So this means we have to slow down and behold God before transformation will happen. Okay? Paul says, beholding the glory of the Lord. So how do we behold or reflect is another good word. His glory. We have to be transfixed. Completely fascinated by God and his goodness to us. We have to behold him. Okay, listen. We have to behold him before we can behave like him. We cannot try and behave like God if we do not know who God is. If we do not sit in his presence daily. If we do not love him and cherish him. We will not behave like him. You can wear the mask all you would like, but you will not truly behave and exude his brilliance and his glory to other people if you have not been beholding him. This is what God calls us to do as his people. So we have to be transfixed. The word behold means to see with attention. So we want to see the glory of God, set our sights on him, not lazily or despondent, stagnant. We want to set our eyes, our gaze in the fullest attention possible because we know that is the most important thing we can do. Okay, so I found this out. It, I mean, it's no coincidence that our culture is very busy, right? We, we all, we're very, very busy. And does anybody play golf in here? Any ladies up in here play golf? Okay, well... You still may find this interesting. They are making, okay, so you know golf is 18 holes. They are making nine, nine hole fast track courses is what they call them because people are too busy to play golf. Nobody can play rounds of golf anymore. It's 18 holes. Nobody has that time. So we're making nine fast track holes for people so they'll still play this game because our lives are chaotic and busy. That is just crazy. Yeah. But I believe it. Our human tendency is to flight before sight, okay? We want to flight before sight. We like to get things done. I know right when I wake up, I see my kitchen, I'm like, oh, i got to get to that. But I know I have to sit for the Lord. I love Isaiah 30 and what it says about this. This is what God says to a restless, idolatrous people. This is a word for our generation. This is what God says to his people who are going every which way and have forgotten him. 
For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. This is Isaiah 30, verse 15. This is what he says to them. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five you shall flee, till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. This is a bad kind of transparency. You don't want to be up there like a flagstaff on a hill. This is not the way we were created to live. God says, do you see the contrast? God says, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and trust shall be your strength. No, we will flee. No, we will not sit. We will not trust you. We will flee. We will get our hands dirty. We will do it ourselves. We do not need you, God. So I ask you, are you restless? Is your heart restless today? Well, that is why. 100% that is why. Here is why our beholding God daily is so important. We cannot reflect to this world his beauty if we do not see it. If we do not look at it, and here's the kicker, if we do not believe it's worth it. We're going to do things that we think are worth it. And that is what we need more than anything. What we are saying in those moments where we choose this world's demands, whether it's the kitchen sink or whether it's your children's soccer games, when we choose this world's moments, we choose that over the demands of Christ. We are saying he isn't worth it and we can do this on our own. We flight before sight. Our temptation is to fix ourselves instead of being fixated upon the one who can fix us. So we behold what is most important to us, and we are always beholding something. So, for those who know me, if I spend all my time watching Food Network, I'm going to be in the kitchen, right? I'm not just going to remain sitting in that. I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to get in that kitchen. I'm going to start making my biscuits. That's a very common illness if you've seen the Great British Baking Show. (laughs) Don't watch that show. It's not good. In the same way, if you spend the majority of your time worrying about your kids' career, talents, behavior, social life, most likely your children have become your God. And I can promise you one thing. They cannot produce in you change. And if you really want to love them well, you need to get your eyes off of them and onto Christ. For the younger ones in here, the younger girls, the pressures that surround you to be perfect, flawless and beautiful, they're insurmountable. To be in control, to be loud, to be boisterous, to make your, make your fame shine in this world, to make a name for yourself, those pressures are real. 
The temptation is to look at social media, and we all do this, young or old, as your standard. But I'm going to encourage you today to look at something in someone so much greater, Jesus. If you want true beauty, you'll find it there. You won't find it anywhere else. And it will lead to freedom and not shame. Okay, so this all sounds really great. But how does this take place in our everyday life? So let's bring this down to the ground, okay? How do we be transfixed? What are some practical ways we can be transfixed upon the glory of God, the beauty of His perfection? Two things. There are a million ways. But I'm just going to leave you with two things, okay? Alone. We have to get alone before the Lord. For me, what that looks like every day is I sit on my couch and I open up my Bible and I drink a cup of coffee while my girls are just running around. And they know, don't talk to Mama because she's reading. Don't talk to her. She won't listen. She'll just stare at you while she's thinking about the scripture she just read. <laughs> they know that, okay? We have to have those times of just aloneness before the Lord, okay? So reading His, reading His Word. His Word is not as precious to us as it used to be. Reading it, it is the very words of our Holy Lord on paper. It's amazing. Praying. Praying, taking our request, our sins before the Lord. My mom reminded me of someone said this morning, Kristen Kane. I don't know if you know who that is, but we have to pray prayers that are going to take great faith. Do we pray like that anymore? What do you need to believe God for today? Behold Him in that way. Community. Second thing, community. I know a lot of people think they can do this on their own. You cannot do this on your own. I've tried and I have failed. You will try and you will fail. We have to get together. Some ways we do that in our church is discipleship. I've been leading a discipleship group for my second year. We get alone. We get before God's Word. We get discipled by Him, by a teacher, and we do life together. And it is awesome. We do it in our small groups. We do it gathering together weekly. Yes, weekly. We gather together weekly. We all, right? Paul says we all. This is part of the community. We don't skip out on each other. We need each other. Okay, so that's part of being transfixed, right? Two points. Community and alone before the Lord. And this is what this is going to lead to. This is my third and final point. Your transformation. So transparent, transfixed, and transformed. So as we are doing these things, we're getting alone before God and scripture and prayer. We're beholding his glory and community as we look at our sisters we will slowly begin to see something happening within us and outside of us, and that is transformation, change. Okay, so second half of the verse. We all with unveiled faces are being trans, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So do you see what we're being transformed into? Into the same image. The same image. So this goes back to earlier earlier when we were talking about community. The we all with unveiled faces. We all together are being changed together into one singular image. 
Well, what is that image? And this is the most exciting part of this message because now we get to take a look at Jesus. And I love this scripture. And I'm sure if you have been in church at all, you've heard it. It's Colossians 1. This is a talking about Jesus, okay? So this is who we're being transformed into. Let this just breathe life into you today. Colossians 1, verse 15. He, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Sister, you were created for him. It's right there. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be first. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile, make peace, to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We are being transformed into the beautiful image of Christ. So this is what that means. We are not trying to display ourselves to others. It is him that we are trying to display the hope of glory, Paul says. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I remember my aunt used to speak that over me because I would be so hard on myself and I would want to do everything right so people would think I was perfect. And one day she just said, Haley, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is not you, it is Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we look to ourselves and we will be weary and discouraged but look at Jesus and we have faith, we have strength to face another day. That is where our strength comes. We realize as we look to him, we are promised transformation. We are promised it. This means when your marriage is falling apart, the solution is not to try and pick up the pieces and mend it as best as you know how. No. You stop trying and you start trusting. And quietness and trust shall be your strength. Remember that. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. He is before all things and in him, in Christ, all things hold together. If your life is falling apart, you look to this world, it will not mend your in him, he holds all things together. And we forget this. So you behold him before you behave. And you look, when your marriage is falling apart, whatever your circumstances, you look long and hard, as long and as hard as you can at Jesus, in whom all things hold together. And you follow his voice. You don't follow this world's. You shut that out. You look at him. And that means also when your brother or your sister sins against you in the most hurtful way, 
whether you feel overlooked, used, abused, or offended, whatever it may be. However deep the pain caused, we have only, listen, we have only one duty in that moment. When we have been sinned against, we have only one duty, and that is we behold the glory of God and we look at the cross of Jesus Christ where he showed us what true love does for our enemies and those who hate us and have hurt us. And then we let his forgiveness, we let his forgiveness transform us and free us to love as he did. This is so hard. We cannot do this without him. Do you see how this This scripture, ladies, is not just a fancy idea. This is not abstract. This doesn't just sound pretty on paper. It's not flowery and supposed to be nice and neat. No. This is the very word of God to us. The very word of God. And when it is lived out in community, it reflects a glory that turns heads and stops people in their tracks. I want to live like this. I don't know about you, but I want to live like this. Okay, we're nearing the end, I promise. Paul says, from one degree of glory to another. Meaning, so don't be discouraged. Meaning, this doesn't happen in one sitting. So you're not going to go home and just behold and be like, okay, I'm fixed, I'm ready. No, it doesn't happen like that. This is a process. A fancy word that we say is our sanctification. We're being sanctified by God. We're being set apart daily as we look to Him, as we're being purified by Him. Day by day, little by little, as we look at Him, we are being changed to look more like Him. We are being sanctified. This means we can rejoice together at change in our sisters. Listen, however slow it is, however slow it may be, you're like, come on, girl, get it right. However slow, we rejoice because from one degree of glory to another. So take heart if it's you and you look at your walk and you have been discouraged. Perhaps there are areas of your life that just, just don't look like Jesus at all. I have been there. I promise I have wrestled with sin and shame. I have weeped over my inability to change myself. We all have been there. I know how discouraging it can be. And what we need in those moments is not a pep talk. Girl, don't wash your face. Girl, look at Jesus, okay? He will fix you. You cannot fix yourself. We don't need assurance that, hey, everything's going to be okay. No. We need change. We need the power of God. We need to be transformed. We need his transformation. So lastly, I want to show you how we are transformed. So look at the end of this verse, okay? We haven't touched on this yet. So we all with unveiled faces, if you haven't memorized it by now, how many times I've said it, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the what? Who is the what? The Spirit. Okay? This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is key. 
In case you were still unconvinced that you are not able to transform and fix yourselves, we are going to be newly awakened to or just reminded to the fact that this is impossible without the Spirit of God. Okay, so last thing we're going to look at, verse 4 through 6 in chapter 3. Listen what Paul says about the Spirit right before he gives it this verse. He says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, meaning the law, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the letter, the law that God gave to Moses, right? It kills, meaning that it presents to us ways we can please God and we quickly find out we cannot do it. We, could, we quickly find out we're going to fail. We cannot uphold that law perfectly, right? And all that does is bring sin and shame into our lives. And what does the scripture say about sin? The wages of sin is death. It produces death in us. But here it says... That that has passed away because Christ has come. He has fulfilled the law for us. This is the gospel. He died in our place and all who trust in his sacrifice for the forgiveness of their sins, believing that God raised Christ from the dead, that that's just not something we say. He really did that. They shall be saved. They shall be saved. God raised Christ from the dead, proving that he is Lord over sin and death. Okay, so sin defeated us, right? But it cannot defeat the power of our God. And for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, Romans said God gave them the right to be called sons and daughters of God. So today, do you want to know that you are his do you want that assurance? This is what 1 John 3, 23 through 24 says. And this is his commandment, God's commandment, that we believe in this name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Listen to this. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that we are God's and He is ours. So this means that you do not stand safely transparent before the glory of God without His Spirit. You, you are still living a veiled life stuck in the old way. You are trying to fix your life and it is not working. Because as 2 Corinthians 3.14 says, only through Christ is the veil lifted. Okay? Only through Christ is that veil taken away. If the veil is not lifted, then you cannot truly behold him and you surely will not be transformed by him. The Spirit of God transforms us. That is who does it. And that is the confidence we have to stand in the pre presence of God. It's our assurance. Like I said earlier, we don't want to shrink in fear because you know who we have inside of us? His spirit. We go boldly 
boldly before him. And this comes, ladies, this comes before it all. So if you have been so confused this whole time, you're like, I don't know what she is talking about, consider maybe you don't have the Spirit of God. Before you can begin to walk as women who are transparent, transfixed, and transformed, something may has to take place first. You have to die. You have to die. I want to tell you a story. So I said earlier that we lived, we moved from Texas to Ohio about three years ago, and I'll never forget the first winter I experienced here. Okay, we don't have winter in Texas. It's just not a thing there. We have just summer all year, all year round. <laughs> well, I get here, and I remember a lot of you told me that this particular winter was mild, but I did not think so. I was dying. It was March, and my trees were dead. And I'm like, the, the trees should be blooming. And I'll never forget my sister, Hannah, who lives in Texas. She sent me a picture of her. It was a Bradford pear tree. It was just blooming. Her grass was green. And I would just stand in my window. I have a tree right in front of my window. And I was sitting there every day. And I promise you, this is not a story just for a message. Like, this really did happen. I would stand there every day. Just hoping, just please let me see something. Let me see a green leaf or some grass. I mean, something. And I kid you not, one day I was standing there and I was looking out my little window and I saw a green leaf on my tree. And I said, Girls, I have two little girls. I said, Girls, come here. And we got there. I said, Y'all, I said, Spring is coming. There's a green leaf on the tree. It's so exciting. And I'm not kidding, I got so excited, okay? I got so excited. But I tell you that story. I tell you that story because the old has to die before the new can come, right? So what has to happen before new life can take place? You have to die. You have to die. And this is the upside-down kingdom of God. This is great hope for us. Death produces life in our lives. Christ has died so that we may have life. So listen, we must die and take up his. We must die and take on his life. Life comes from death in the kingdom of God. This is our hope. So listen, when death is present, we know that's not the end. That is not the end. It's only the beginning. Life is soon to come. It's very fitting that this tea is called a spring tea, but there are absolutely no green leaves on the trees. Because we know, we don't have to despair. Life is coming. It's coming, right? We know. Spring will be here. It may look like it's not here yet, but it will be here. Okay, so last, last I know I said last time, like a million times. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 12, okay, I'm sorry, chapter 4, 7 through 12, listen what he says. He's talking about this ministry. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Sisters, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to this. 
always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. What does that mean? I will never forget reading that over and over and over when I was younger. Like, what is he talking about? But this is what it is. This is the upside down kingdom of God, okay? Your death is able to produce life in someone else because Christ's death produced life in ours. We are dying to our sin daily. And what does that do that produces life in us? Our death can produce life in someone else's life. This is the ministry of the Spirit. This is the power of God put on display. We die that we may truly live. So here is my question. Have you died? Have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you died to yourself so that you may live? There is no life apart from him. My heart and my flesh may fail, David says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. All right, so I leave you with this. In John chapter 12, Jesus gives a parable. And I just think it's very fitting for what we're talking about today. So John 12, chapter 20, verse 24, this is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, death producing life. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, Jesus, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the message, paraphrase. It says it like this. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. So do you want to have life? This is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. You must die. And for those in here who have, do you want to live as women who are free in the Spirit of God? Transparent, transfixed, and transformed. And my hope for you, every one of you that I know that I don't know in here, so that we would be women who are transparent, transfixed, transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ.
This is our hope in this world, and this is the ministry that God has given to us. And do not doubt his word, ladies. Trust this and watch him work in your life. He can produce death from life. Life from death. Okay, well, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this word that I know you have given to me for these ladies. I know that it is not my message, it's your message. And God, I pray that they will walk away changed more into you as we have sat here today and beheld your glory, as we've looked at your word and seen, God, you are beautiful. And Lord, I pray for hearts in here who are broken and in need of mending, that God, that would take place, the Spirit of God, you would move, even amongst a team, Lord, that you would come in power. We don't want to be entertained. We want to know you. We want to see you. And Lord, I just pray you'd fill the rest of our time here with joy and laughter and life, because that is the ministry that you've given to us, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to me up here, Lord. You are so good. I will tell of your deliverance to the congregation. Great is the Lord, I will say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now I'm gonna, we're going to have a short little interview. Uh, Miss Phyllis and Miss Carla, if y'all want to come on up. And they are going to kind of share a testimony with us with how this was worked out in their own life. So I'm really excited about this. So it's going to take just a second to transition up here so you guys can talk for just a second and resume, um, and we'll get 